0: podcast by three geeky millennials i'm anya crittenton a writer and editor in los angeles and this week i am joined once again by only one of my co-hosts as ht is still gallivanting across the world uh so introduce yourself second co-host
1: hi i'm willoughby dobbs a filmmaker in the dc area so we're trying something out a little bit differently we usually steer away from politics as a theme Uh, We
0: always mention it, because we talk a lot about, like, diversity and, you know, representation on the podcast. I think we've mentioned politics, like, real-life politics a couple times, but...
1: Yeah, like, we had a politics... We had, like, a politics episode, like, a week before the election that was focused on, like, political TV shows like The West Wing. Or, no, that was after the election, but we talked about, like, Veep and House of Cards Parks and Rec, like a lot of the shows that were um on at the time that uh uh just you know talked about modern day politics in like a entertaining way. Um and then everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked, and we've sort of been I wouldn't say escapist, but like our focus has not been on what we've been talking about right. in I the mean, real We are
0: an entertainment podcast. Like yeah. first and foremost, like entertainment is our bread and butter.
1: So that's a a a, a rampway, an exit sign for folks who don't want to talk about or listen to politics for an hour or so, um, because otherwise it's just going to be me and Anya talking about recent impeachment hearings that have been public, um, other politics, and then and then we're kind of probably going to talk about like how politics and entertainment intersect with like movies, yeah. like the court uh so yeah well, we us talk is about
0: entertainment um because they are kind of intrinsically tied together um yeah and, and, like and like we we'll talk some of our favorite political movies and things like that but the first part of the episode is going to be just real life politics so if that's not on your jam you can skip this episode entirely you can just skip to the entertainment portion of the episode so yeah turn on your
1: turn on your blinker now and get off the highway to the politics zone uh okay yes yeah i mean it's not really a spoiler warning or anything but like that's just we're just we're gonna talk about politics so we're that's not politics. Jam. go so, for it
0: i guess first things first is like i mean impeachment's happening and like i so the reason i brought up politics my my it was my suggestion to do politics this week and i was mostly doing it from like a we could just like roundabout talk about current events, ball talk about movies, and then Willoughby completely went with me and was like, let's talk about real politics. And I was like, hell yeah. Um, you know, because I am a very politically engaged person. I kind of can't imagine not being one when people, especially young people, tell me they're not politically engaged. I, it's, it's their choice, but I also like can't wrap my head around that really because I feel it's too important to not be engaged with. Um, it is literally our future, um, and how we when can you say, when you
1: When you say young people, do you mean our age, or do you mean folks who are, like, maybe still teenagers?
0: Oh, I mean, I mean, when I say young people, I mean, like, 18 and all, like, voting age. Okay, but yeah. like, in, like, the young 20s. Yeah, okay, yeah. I mean, you
1: know? I'll say from experience, uh, really, I mean, I went, we went to American University, a, a school that has been assigned, The title of most politically active school in the nation.
0: Hell yeah! Uh, Like
1: three out of four years that we that we went there. So maybe all like some of the times you were there, Anya. But for me, I've never really been a political person because I never really I like 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 to be honest. Like in college, I always sort of resented that that my college was like always like so like political. But then as, as the time got on. Throughout the course of that school, my time in college, I sort of softened to the idea of like po- politi- politics means a lot and it intersects with our lives. I took a sociology class that really sort of broke my my brain for a second. Um, we did a uh, we did a thing that I think happens in a lot of so- sociology classes where we went to a parking lot. We all lined up in the same spot in a row. And then the teacher uh, uh, had us step forward and. Um, Uh, every you know like a couple of steps and then would would tell us something that was to our our advantage and then something that was to our disadvantage and at the end of the park parking lot I was one of four people who was still in front because everyone else in the classroom was someone who has been marginalized um and one of the only times I never stood I kept I met I moved forward was about weight gain and like weight loss and like you know, have you ever been made fun of for your weight or something like that? But for for all the other times, for being a straight, white, cis man, I kept going forward. And so did the other three, like, straight, white, cis men in, in the classroom. And everyone else was a woman or a person of color or a woman of color or someone who, someone of a marginalized group of people in America. And it very, really visual, and I was a high, I was probably, I was 18. It was, like, my second semester in school. It really showed my like sh- like visualized uh privilege in the in the country so like like that was like the biggest check in uh the biggest like smack in my face of like checking your privilege you know like that's when i learned like the phrase and all that so it was really it was really eye opening and so then i sort of like really like over the course of my time at au really started to get more involved or at least you know more I wouldn't say involved, but just more knowledgeable about politics and, like, how does politics affect real people's lives and stuff. Um, I never really took any political classes unless I had to for, like, general education uh, requirements. Um, But after the 2016 election, uh, all hell broke loose and I really started, I really focused on uh, politics as something that is directly affected uh directly affecting uh basically everyone yeah no it was yeah. uh it, it, like that's my like that that's where I'm coming from it's like I started out as someone who was like I couldn't give a shit about politics and now I'm like I really could give a lot of shits about politics
0: so many yeah mm-hmm. I I sort of had the opposite experience as you I've been politically active since I was young um And it stemmed from a lot of things, you know, Um, it stemmed from my personal life, you know, the other week when we did historic materials, I talked about my journey um, with like atheism and religion. Um, And so that was like a big thing for me and feeling sort of a little bit ostracized, especially in my family. And then figuring out my queerness when I was younger, especially in middle school, high school, college, um, you know, my experience as a woman. So I had just kind of a lot of personal experiences that, sort of mandated, but also that I, you know, embraced reckoning with and becoming active in uh, defining those parts of me and standing up for them. Like you, you know, I I still, I still have a lot of privilege. um, And, you know, I have learned more and more about my privilege over the years. um, And I'm still learning about it to this day, and I will never stop learning about it. Um, And that is a very good thing. But I have always sort of tried to be a, be aware of uh, politics. I remember in high school, one of my most vivid memories was there was a time in high school when our a lot of our teachers were getting pink slips um, for being like laid off or suspended or whatever because you know the district was is just an inherently bureaucratic institution. And I remember one Saturday. I, like, joined a protest on the streets of the town I grew up with all my, like, friends and teachers. We all wore pink, and we had signs, and we were, like, protesting teachers being laid off, and, you know, I remember just how thrilling that was and how how good it felt to, like, fight for the people who I believed in and what I believed to be right, and so I've definitely been very, um, you know, engaged with politics from a young age, and then that was also doubled up by the fact that history was my favorite subject growing up. I, I My bachelor's degree from AU is in history, um, which is you know very much tied with politics. So I took a lot of political classes in college, um, historical or otherwise. So I'm just very much about politics. I love politics. I know like some people are very much like they have to disengage nowadays and I get that. I have moments like that too where I don't wanna think about it but I also still get a thrill about talking about politics. Like I love politics, like genuinely, they're frustrating and infuriating, but I also believe in them and believe that we can change sort of our institution and change our government to be a force for good. Um, There's a reason I'm lawful good on the moral alignment scale. (laughs) Um, And so I still just really love talking about politics and I really believe in them um, as frustrating and as broken as they can be right now, I believe. You know inherently that they can be a power for good if we fight for that. I'm I am mean, an ideal. I'm an idealist to the end. let's be
1: real here. You've got big Leslie Nope energy.
0: I do. I do. There's a reason. I. I, I yes. I very much identify with Leslie Nope. Like, I believe in the system. I believe the system can be broken and can fail the people, but I also believe that we can make it something that isn't broken and it does uphold its people. So. Leslie Nope is who we should all aspire to be. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah. So those are kind of our journeys of politics, and you know, I just there's a lot going on right now, and so I just kind of wanted to talk about it a little bit. Um. And there are a lot of political movies coming out right now, so it it sort of feels like politics is is everywhere as it as it should be. Um. But so in terms of some real life politics. So we had a Democratic debate this week, and I feel like it was completely overshadowed by impeachment.
1: That's the thing. So I've been watching, I've watched, I was. Not, I want to say every debate except the second time we, the second, uh, the second debate where there were two debates, I didn't watch one of them because I think, or I didn't watch that, that second debate series because I was out of town. Um, but I will like I followed on Twitter and stuff because I follow a lot of political people now because that's what I do. Um and so like they were that was like the moment, that was when um Elizabeth Warren like shut down John Delaney and absolutely like destroyed his any chance of being a, a a presidential candidate. Um and yeah, so like now we've gotten to the fifth or sixth debate and I stopped in the middle of the of it because I First of all, it was at 9 o'clock Eastern time, and my bedtime is, like, 10.30. So I need to get ready for bed around, like, 10. So I don't want to stay up and watch um, a, a debate that, frankly, wasn't really interesting. Like, it, there wasn't really any. A lot of people thought they were going to go after Mayor Pete Buttigieg um, because he was the Iowa front runner in, like, a, a couple polls at some point. But unlike last week, month where everyone was attacking elizabeth warren for her lack of a plan quote-unquote lack of a plan for medicare for all medicare for all and so yeah but like you know since since a couple debates i guess you know like right before the debate last month nancy pelosi invoked impeachment and so that's really been taking over the the airwaves i mean i hope i don't really want i don't watch Twenty-four hour news because I don't have twenty-four hour news, but I can only h- imagine that it's. although it
0: would drive you insane. Like it would. We're engaged, but like you do have to take a break sometime.
1: Yeah, and and I I have I have uh uh journalist friends who either work for uh a a twenty-four hour news network or. Um, they are, they work for a, uh, oh, a journalist, uh, a journalism site that, uh, reports on the news. So, like, a watchdog media, media watchdog, um, news site. So, like, they're very involved with, like, 24-hour news networks. I can and also, so
0: like, attest to this that when I worked at G- uh, Gay Star News, um, I very yeah. much covered, you know, U.S. stories, and a lot of it was politics. And, again, it was all anything related to with LGBTQ information, um, and like policies and stuff, so I wasn't covering everything, but I was right. covering a lot. I I probably did at least one political story a day, usually more. Um, yeah. Because I, you know, I would also we would also have immigration stories to do of like trans women uh, immigrants, you know, dying in ICE custody and things. So like I we did cover like a Gambit healthcare, you know. So and I will say it it did it did start to weigh. Like certain days, you know, it felt really heavy and it felt exhausting but i yeah. also knew it was important
1: and that's that's the like the balance that we have to come across and so now it's just been impeachment 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 and i i agree like the de- the debate was so shattered by impeachment um because i think we're i think the, the debates are running around in circles until we get to actual votes in and the, the iowa caucuses right. i think because the only difference now is that like pretty much Elizabeth Warren gave her plan for Medicare for All and no one talked about it. Or, like, no one really cared. Because they were like, okay, that actually sounds promising because that's a wealth tax. Like, she has Hell, a plan. Yeah. Like,
0: so, okay, we can't really attack her anymore. Yeah. But it kind of, like, I feel like the beginning of the selection cycle, it was, you know, it was more interesting because, like, people were announcing they were running. And yeah, it was, like, very early, but, like, we were still getting to know all the candidates. So there was still like a lot to kind of like learn and discuss and stuff. But now we know all the candidates. We know who the front runners are. That's not going to change. And so right now it feels like we're in a bit of a status quo until primaries start happening. And until we start seeing like who is actually going to get the nomination. So the election does feel a little bit kind of stagnant right now. Um, And then you're right, with impeachment, it (laughs) pales. Yeah. And And, here's here's the thing. After the first
1: uh, impeachment public hearing, there. Were, okay, so basically since September 25th, there's been a lot of closed-door hearings for people who actually may not know what's been going on. Um, there's been a lot of closed-door hearings that the impeachment committee has had uh, with witnesses coming in to give t- depositions. depositions, Depositions. Depositions. I don't know words. Um, to be honest, I'm coming back from a b- bottomless brunch, so there's a little bit of drinky in me. Um
0: oh, I've got a uh, got a drinker drinker behind talking about politics.
1: Um, so we've been, so yeah, there have been a lot of closed door hearings and like news reports out of those uh, hearings, and then it's and then I guess in the last couple of weeks they've been uh, releasing the te- the the public testimony of those private deposi- depositions, and so but that isn't the same as a, as a public television televised hearing. Um, as, as people know from Watergate, those were televised hearings and that sort of broke the dam on who was for the impeachment of Richard Nixon. Um, and you know, like a lot of, a lot of damning things happened in those, um, hearings, like, you know, like the reveal that there were tapes and all that. So, a lot of people were expecting bombshells when the first public hearings were happening. And the first public hearing was, I believe it was William Taylor and Volcker? Or, or yeah, no, it was it another was, guy.
0: Um, it was,
1: oh, Con Conway?
0: I forget, honestly. Was, okay. I, remember, I remember Bill Taylor. I remember Bill
1: Taylor because he has the voice of a history documentary narrator. And so he was, oh, George Kent. Uh. It was it was George Kent and Will Taylor, Will, William Taylor, who were you know uh, involved in Ukraine stuff, and they after the after that uh, long hearing, the news media like defined it as something that was lacking quote unquote pizzazz, and there were all these like articles about how this so this frustrating.
0: Did, this it's didn't so sway public.
1: This didn't sway public opinion. And it was so stupid because how could you sway public opinion without asking people what their public opinion was? The way that they were they framed what the public opinion was by saying what the public opinion was, not what the actual public opinion was. And th- those articles got like quote to to quote Twitter ratioed to death because everyone was like, no, these like this is so stupid. You shouldn't comment on that comment on the sub you know like you know t- report the substance don't editorialize what's happening because that's what happened with like Benghazi hearings and like Hillary's emails like all that bullshit there was there's a there is an inherent media narrative that is like worked on by the media that because they have to sell stories and they have to like do that so it's really annoying because I thought that what was hap- what what was being said in uh uh taylor's testimony was actually really uh it like exhilarating because they there was a a reveal that there was a conversation that took a phone call with the president and ambassador songland that we didn't know about and that it was pretty damning evidence and then the week after that we got the actual guy who overheard the conversation to testify um and this week there were like eight eight or so people testifying like around there there were a lot more people who were testifying and I was listening to it on my local public radio on my cassette player that HT got me for my birthday a couple years ago. So I was listening to it while I was at work and sort of um, focusing in when I was had a had a had a moment to do so. And I thought that you know there was just a lot of you know there's a lot of shit that's happening in the impeachment hearings and it is pretty damning for the president
0: and. It's it's extremely damning, and even today we even got more updates that um, documents from the White House official counsel revealed that uh, there were after the fact conversations about how to justify holding the aid to Ukraine. Like after the fact, like as in they definitely held it because of these investigations, but like then they scrambled to find a legitimate reason. And I think the thing is is that like reports are correct. Like this this whole thing is about public opinion, because at the end of the day. It is most likely that Trump will be impeached. It will go to the Senate for a trial and he will be acquitted because Republicans are too cowardly to convict him even with evidence presented to them. So he's not gonna get removed from office. The important thing is to sway voters into thinking like this man is not fit to be president. And so anyone who is on the fence for the election next year will fall on the side of not voting for him. So that's what this is really about is it really is ultimately about the election and new polls have shown that a majority of Americans now do believe that he's done wrongdoing and that they want him impeached and removed. Um, And while he won't be removed, it now shows that there is a majority feels that he's not fit to be president. And so when the power falls to the citizens next November, they will have the power to remove him the way that the Senate probably won't. And they will exercise that power. So, Ultimately, the impeachment is like a long, long game, which is how Nancy Pelosi does politics, which is why she deserves more respect than she's given. Um, but yeah, that's what this is really all about, and all this evidence is extremely damning. And no, it probably will not get him convicted, but it will help voters become more informed and say, you know, like, hey, this guy is not fit to be president.
1: Yeah, like there was a poll that said that seventy percent of Americans agree that what he did was bad. I think the people who want impeachment and removal, there's less than that. But still, seventy percent of Americans said what he did was bad. That's that's a that's a lot of Republicans too. Like it, it's sort of you know, I I don't think I've been like sort of looking at what Trump has been doing as like a Watergate speed run where he's just basically doing a lot of things that you know like he got us to he got to impeachment like 6 year like 4 years earlier than Nixon did and i just think that like i don't know i definitely think that he's going to be impeached by the house and then the senate's going to drop it or not drop it but at least vote vote to not vote to acquit i guess um but i but Nixon never got that far i think did they they started impeachment with Nixon and then he resigned? Right? It wasn't like he was in. It wasn't like they were in the middle of of impeachment hearings.
0: Yeah. No. Um. Yeah. Nixon. Nixon resigned before he could be impeached. Um. Because again, he was a coward and he knew that he broke the law. Um. So Nixon should have gone to jail, but Gerald fucking Ford, uh, decided to. Pardon him. That's the term. I was like, what's that term? He pardoned him. But yeah, Clinton, well, just,
1: mm-hmm, go for. it.
0: But Clinton was impeached and then was acquitted in the Senate. So that is likely what will happen with Trump, too. And that happened with a... Like,
1: impeachment was never popular like it is right. here. It never like, is.
0: It never is. And using Clinton as an example, right? So Republicans, are their defense right now is saying that Trump didn't didn't... A, actually break the law, and B, that nothing actually happened because the Ukraine ultimately did get the aid. And no investigations ever happened. So, like, even if Trump did ask for it, nothing ever happened. So, like, who cares? But, like, right, the intent of committing a crime is, like, still a crime. Like, attempted murder is still, is still a, murder. a crime. still a crime. Yeah. Attempt of, like, a robbery or whatever is still a crime. And it's, like, Bill Clinton, when he was impeached, was completely in the wrong and deserved to go through that impeachment investigation and abused his power, uh, but did not actually commit a crime. So it's like, there is precedent that presidents can abuse their power and do wrongdoing without committing a legal crime and still like go through the impeachment process. So like, it is still completely valid for Trump to be going through this investigation. Like Clinton did it for not lesser things, but like lesser things that affected like foreign policy and like the safety of our elections and
1: right like essentially essentially what trump was doing was like i mean yeah as a quid pro quo but what he was doing was really just like he was extorting a country like that was what he was doing so i think that you know what where we're going what we're going to is gonna see an indictment from the house which is essentially what the what impeachment is and then a trial in the Senate that'll uh probably unless the Republicans get their asses in gear and decide that what he did was bad, uh he'll probably stay in office until the election, until we boot him out. Um I mean Yeah,
0: and the other the other downside to this is that like like so again, so impeachment is a long game and hopefully it will have the desired effects of just kind of like swaying voters and then getting them to think more critically about the decisions Trump has made as president. The one thing is that if it does go to the Senate, um, senators will have to attend Congress by mandate, including senators who are are running for president. So like Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, like Bernie Sanders, they will all have to go to Congress and stop campaigning during the trial. So in that case, I hope the trial doesn't last very long, regardless of its outcome because um, I would like to see them get back onto the campaign trail, partly because I'm yeah. an Elizabeth Warren supporter, but also because, like, the trial will likely happen um, when, like, primaries are starting. So it's kind of crucial that they yeah. are on the campaign trail. Well, so, I,
1: I think Adam Schiff said, who is in charge of the impeachment inquiry, I think he, I believe he said that like, as of right now, they don't have any more scheduled hearings. Um, so there's probably going to be a lot of, like, internal stuff that happens until a vote. Um, but there could also be, like, m- more more information that comes out, and they have to do more investigations and more hearings. So, like, this could, you know, who knows where this is going, because I didn't think we'd actually get here. Because, it, you know, for as much as I have hope that, you know, I'm glad that we have the Democrats in charge, there seemed to be a, a long time there where we didn't where didn't think impeachment was going to be plausible because a lot of a lot of Democrats were not uh, they had either publicly they either hadn't publicly said that they were for impeachment or they said that they weren't and now and once once the whistleblower complaint came out and uh and the transcript of the quote unquote perfect call uh, between uh, Zelensky and Trump suddenly like within a week like they had the 230 votes to like start you know like that was kind of incredible the the how quickly everybody got on board with impeachment and then and then public opinion polls were taken and yeah suddenly everyone was in like there was a majority of americans at least in the polls who were uh for impeachment um so I think that, you know, and that's what happened with with that that's what happens with impeachment is that at first nobody nobody wants to impeach the president because that's a constitutional crisis and that's not something that the country can really like it's really hard for that. You know, it, it's one of those weird things where you're like yeah, we don't like like we don't like Trump, but like we have to make sure that we have something on him that can actually do impeachment for and You know, high crimes and misdemeanors are very a very vague term that that the founders put into the Constitution for impeachment, and it's up to Congress to basically say what a high crime or a misdemeanor in this case is. Um, It doesn't have to be a misdemeanor in the local laws that we know. It could be, you know, what whatever. Um, So, you know, impeachment's always been a a thing, like a a thing that ultimately we don't want to have to go through it but also we, sh- we need to now, like, that's the thing, it's that there's clear evidence, I mean, the, the president's been doing wrong wrongdoing since fucking day fucking one, let's be real, like, they like, he should have been impeached on day one, but it's, like, a real, it's, like, a tough thing for the country to go through, at least, you know, like, that's, it's, it's a weird thing, um, it's why we've only done it four times now, uh, instead of, like, every president, you know, it's, it's, it's a thing that comes in once in a generation there's a slayer um and yeah there's been a there's like just a ton of impeachment news and i think that i think that it is exciting even if the pundits on msnbc and uh cnn and the other one they're saying things like it's not or it's boring and i'm like no it like the mere fact that we're impeaching the president right now isn't is a inherently exciting thing for a news event so i don't know why they're not more on board with it it's like you're having you're having like public officials who dedicate their lives to the service of our country in terms of diplomats uh and they're basically coming out and saying yes shit was going wrong shit was doing there was bad shit happening And, and and like even gordon sondland who was a trump like supporter who donated a million dollars to his inauguration campaign said there was a quid pro quo like like let's get on fucking board here um yeah like i don't i don't know how it's not yeah it's let, let's be clear this is a a uh, old uh, n- there is pizzazz there is pizzazz in this
0: there is pizzazz nbc <sighs> um yeah, and like I get some people like okay, so let's let's be clear. Impeachment is a huge story. This is a huge story. It should be getting tons of attention. I also get people's frustrations that other issues are not getting attention, you know, like trans women of color are still being murdered at an alarming rate. No LGBTQ questions were asked at this week's democratic debate. Trump is still punishing asylum seekers as if they're criminals. Like so much is still happening and these things are always going to be happening. There will always be A million and one topics to concern ourselves with um and you know it is it is also partly it is up to the media but it is also up to us to do our own research to you know educate ourselves on the on the issues we care about and to you know make sure we're fully informed citizens again with breaks do not do this 24 hours because it, it will get exhausting it'll drive you insane but so i get it like there are other issues that are happening, but these issues are always going to be happening, both at home and across the world, and it is just up to us to, you know, uh, do what we can, focus on what we can, and it also is right. It's it's again, it's a long game. There is a reason Nancy Pelosi would not announce impeachment until she knew it was the best decision, because um, she is a prudent politician. But this is a long game because ultimately, all these issues that we are concerned about and have not been addressed by Trump or have been worsened by Trump. You know, the long game is to get Trump out of office and get someone in the White House who cares more and will do better by, by people of the world. And so if impeachment is going to help with that long game, then that is crucial. And we have to, we can't just think about right now, we also have to think about the coming years. Um, you know, and like a president Ultimately, a president who believes in and wants to help stop climate change, because ultimately that is the most important issue, because none of these other issues will matter if our planet goes on fire. Big mood. Big mood. So that is current the political that is part of only a small part of the current political landscape um, that Willoughby and I are very engaged in and paying attention to, and you know really passionate about. But this political landscape. Um, touches everything, including Hollywood. Um, you know, there are a couple of movies coming out uh, now, uh, like The Report with Adam Driver and Annette Benning about uh, Bush's administration uh, condoning torture post-9-11. Uh, there's Dark Waters, uh, directed by Todd Haynes with Mark Ruffalo. And that is, it's sort of, it's a Flint story. It, it's not, is it about Flint? Is it like a truth? is it, actually, it's not. Um, My roommate says it's about Ohio, but it, it seems very, it, it seems to call to the story of Flint as well of like water, right, that is uh, harmful to people and the government not doing anything about it. So there are a lot of political stories happening, and I'm excited for all of these movies. But yeah, politics is deeply ingrained in Hollywood, and yeah. it always will be, and it always has been that's here's
1: the thing when we've said it before on the poli- on the podcast politics is entwined with entertainment and art they're like the when people say that they don't want their comic books or their comic book movies or their star Warses or their star treks which fascinates me with that logic that they don't want these stories to be political and by that they mean they don't want their assumptions challenged they want what they assume is the past. But if you look at the past, if you look at the original Gene Roddenberry Star Trek, or even the, the next generation Star Trek, or any Star Trek, Star Trek is incredibly political. Uh, it de- you have, They deal with different races and different species all the time. The prime directive is a, is something that's in that thing, like like diplomats. They're, Star Trek is a deeply political thing. So when the Star Trek Discovery shows up and everyone's like, "Oh, this is just some social justice warrior bullshit." It's like well, c- calm down, first of all. And Star Trek has always been political. It's always had a it's always had a point of view. Um and Star Wars has always had a po- point of view. Like the Star Wars has always been against tyranny and fascism and has always been about democracy and liberation of marginalized people and it always i mean like the prequels were about the collapse of a democracy the original trilogy was about the uh, collapse of a tyrant of a, a fascist tyr- tyrannical dictatorship and the sequel trilogy is about combating the next generation of fascists who took the who took inspiration from the previous generation and decided to be i don't know like neo stormtroopers there's it's always been political like even in solo which is a movie that has a lot of mixed opinions there's a scene where they're going through what is essentially a space airport and uh, you see uh, um, stormtroopers splitting families apart which ha- that happened in 2018 uh, after uh, Trump's uh, separation policy was enacted like that it's a clear like straight line between real life and, and uh, art politics and art like it's a thing it happens and the fact that people and if there is if if art if you if you watch something and you see it it is inherently apolitical that's also a choice the fact that there is no the fact that there is no politics is a choice it doesn't that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad choice but it, it definitely means that that's something that the filmmakers or the writer or someone s- chose to do you know maybe it's because they really wanted to have an escapist uh, story that doesn't deal with anything tangentially related to modern politics or modern day, and that's their prerogative. But at the same time, you can't say that comic books, Marvel in particular, DC, Superman is an immigrant. The X-Men are marginalized people who are fighting for their rights. Like, these
0: stories are always...
1: Captain America punched Hitler in the face! Like, these stories are always going to have politics in them and you like 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 it or not that's the that's the case and you can't complain that the, like that they didn't always have politics because they did they did they did
0: and you know some movies are more inherently political than others like we said you know the report dark waters the spotlights of the world the post the all the president's men like those movies are you know they are about politics um but it doesn't mean that other ones, even if they are not on the surface about them, don't have something to say or aren't inherently political in themselves. The recent Charlie's Angels, um, which is great. Please go see it and support this perfect movie. Um, But there is a part of the film uh, right before the title card comes up where Elizabeth Banks just did a montage of little girls across the world um, you know, in in school, in dance recital, uh, in a variety of different scenarios that little girls do and young women do and women do. Um, but, yeah, so those are the things made this movie for these little girls around the world. like she wants little girls to make this movie and be inspired and feel seen. And so even you know, a fun action movie that on the surface might just seem um, like that, you know, it's it's still. Has something to say. Um, my roommate just mouthed "Last Christmas" at me, which is the new rom-com between Henry Golding and um, Amelia Clark, which is also a very lovely movie. But that movie has a very bold B plot about Brexit and immigration, and you know, being othered and not being welcome in places. And it is done very well, and it is very moving. And so, you know movies can have things to say even if they are not inherently political and nothing is ever made in a vacuum when you create something you are informed by the world around you no matter what even if you're trying not to be or you think you aren't you are and so politics is always going to have a presence in life in entertainment in your real life in school in activism everywhere um and that's only that's you know that's one reason why I think it's important to be engaged um so yeah, so let's wrap this episode up. Willoughby, what is your favorite political movie?
1: Oh, that's, that's not really.
0: Ah. Give me, uh, what's your favorite political movie that is like, that is literally about politics? That is, uh, you know, like that is it. Since we've discussed that um, every movie is inherently political, what is your favorite right. like explicitly
1: Explicitly political movie, yeah. Um, I do history movies count, like, like, like historical, like. I
0: would say I would say historical movies count if, especially if they are kind of like about. Yeah. You know Um, something that's not just like a off the period drama, which again has its own commentary, but it's again not about politics.
1: Um, I think I'd do uh Steven Spielberg's Lincoln. Because I think that movie has, you know, it's a really good movie, first of all. It is a very good movie. Um, it's one of those movies that makes you think that, oh, are they going to get, are they going to vote for the 13th Amendment? Like, is it going to pass? Like, it's 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 one of those, like, where, like, you know the history, but it's done so well in such a thrilling, thr- thrilling way that you're like, oh, is it is it going to do it? Is it going to pass? And then it does. And you're like, awesome. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, right. It did pass. This is a historical doc uh, movie. Um and I and I think that the uh, what's happening, it happened in 2012, which is before a lot of the shit that happened in this, uh, um, you know, the political world that we live in now. But I think that uh, it's it was such a really fun movie to see, like how politics was done, or at least that particular event with how that was done, uh, because I think we're you know re- we read the textbooks that say oh and they passed after the civil war the 13th 14th and 15th amendments and you're like cool and now and then we got to see like a dramatic version of that with really good actors and really good direction um and really good facial hair in congress like uh but otherwise like i mean like yeah i think i'd have to go with lincoln i think like a runner-up for this would be like all the president's men um in spotlight uh yeah what about you anya
0: that's a good choice. Also, there's that scene in Lincoln where they're like racing to Congress or something for like the vote, and yes. it just goes to show that like politics really hasn't changed that much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so which good. I also love. So, my favorite political movie is Far and Away Frost Nixon. It is one of my favorite movies in general, just of all time. I think it is brilliant. Um, I have also seen the stage play that it was based on which is equally as compelling and wonderful. Um, So, Frost Nixon for me is kind of a twofold thing. there's a very personal aspect to it in that I hate Richard Nixon with every fiber of my being, Um, which is something that I I, I have on my own, but sort of inherited from my dad. My dad grew up uh, with the Kennedys as like his political idols. And so I learned a lot about that time period from my dad. Um, And he hates Nixon and I learned about him and I was like, I hate Nixon. Um, and so my dad and I have like bonded a lot about like the Kennedys over our lives and whatnot. So it's like I, I love it because it's like it's a movie and that it shows how terrible Nixon was. Um, but it's also just of just a perfectly made film. It is I, I've talked about this with Spotlight before, which is another one of my favorite political films, but movies that are are quiet but commanding, that are not, you know, they're not ostentatious, they're not loud and bombastic but they are still so perfectly made down to every shot and every music cue and every performance and that they are so compelling, even in like their quietness. Um, I love movies like those. And that to me is, you know, something that Frost Nixon is. Frost Nixon is all at once entertaining, seeing someone like David Frost interview someone like Richard Nixon that quickly becomes an indictment of this president and in extremely, you know, an exchange between these two men that you cannot look away from, um, which Nixon ultimately outed himself as a criminal. (laughs) Um, And it is just one of the most gripping movies. Like, that movie is so tense. Even if you you know how it goes, and those are the kind of historical films I love, where even if you know what happens, you are still, like, on tenterhooks watching it, like, on the edge of your seat. Um, And so I just think Frost Nixon is a perfectly made film, Thoroughly entertaining, very commanding, with a lot of gravity of the topic it's uh, covering. Also, Sam Rockwell as James Rustin. I own a few of James Rustin's books because I love James Rustin. And Sam Rockwell playing James Rustin is so great. This, like, angry little historical journalist, political person who's so angry at Nixon and wants to see justice done and I'm like relatable Sam Rockwell. Um, so that's one of my favorite parts of the film too. Um, but yeah, Ross Nixon. I just think it's uh, an incredible film and I love it so much. And I can watch it countless times and never get tired of it.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Um, so do we wanna, is that, is that it for our conversation?
0: I think that's it for conversation. Um, We will make sure to put a couple links in our blog um, about registering to vote if you're not registered. Um, And some other things, Stacey Abrams is currently raising money to uh, fight for fair elections and to get rid of things like voter suppression. So we will do a couple links in our blog to make sure that you have some of these resources. Um, And yeah, I think that's our episode. Hopefully, a little bit of change in format, but hopefully you guys enjoyed it anyway. Um, it's important to stay engaged. So, But for now, let's move on to the last segment of our episode. I really, 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 really like you. But I need to tell you something. I really, 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 really like you. So, Willoughby, start us off. What are you really liking this week?
1: Uh, so it's a bit of a sequel from last week. I've been... Uh, I've been playing Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Um, I'm probably about two-thirds of the way through the game now, and I really like it. I think there's a lot of puzzles to solve, a lot of worlds to see, um, and I think that the story is really engrossing. Um, I think I talked about it uh, last week about how it is a story about a Jedi who survives Order 66 and loses a little bit of his connection to the Force, and the game is about building that Force connection back up and in that process you know dealing with some repressed emotions or locked away wounds um and it also has a really intriguing subplot of a former jedi and her apprentice who were captured by the empire and one of them turned and the other one didn't um and how that relationship is affecting uh the main character cal um and also how uh the the um there's a there's like uh you go to Dathomir, and there's a lot of like Jedi lore there and Force lore. There's a lot of lore in this uh, in this game, and it's really like it's like deep in the woods of of of, uh, of Star Wars world building. And I really appreciate that. Um, and it, it it's getting pretty heavy right now in terms of emotions and how it everyone how everyone's feeling. Uh, and yeah, it's just it's just a really it's a really good game, and I really recommend it for people who want to uh dive into some of the of the before time before the 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 death star was built and but after the fall of democracy yeah
0: that sounds very exciting and i i definitely want to play this game at some point um and it is it's like a one-player rpg right it's
1: yeah i wouldn't say i wouldn't even say it's an rpg like you don't really get to talk to too many different people and like tell like there's not like a lot of like quests i mean there's like a, there's like the main quest if you've ever played like dark souls or mm-hmm. a game where it's like pretty much like it's not really an open world but there is a lot to explore on your path to like your your mission and stuff like so you're basically you're you're doing a lot of like wall, cra- wall cra- climbing and running um and using the force to like move walls around to jump on those and like there's a lot of like neat tricks to try and like get your, like make your way through each map um, and it's really cool. Um, but like the, but then again, like this, like there's a lot of really great cinematography, like cinematics. Um, and I would say like the movie, it's like the, the the game itself is really beautiful when you like get to the, see those like wide wide shots of the planets. Um, it's really neat. And there's some um, there's like a you have like a little droid friend and he's really cute uh, and he's like your best friend. And he's he's like a little like two legged little guy that just jumps onto your back and helps you helps you out with things. Um, yeah, it's really cool. And I, I don't want to like spoil anything in specific, but like you go to like you actually see some characters from like the the prequels, um, and they do like flashbacks to when Cal was a Padawan during like I was probably the yeah it was definitely the Clone Wars. Um, but it's really fun to like kind of revisit those that that part of the universe in like a modern game or something because I haven't played like the Revenge of the Sith game came out in like 2005 and it what it looks like shit now uh but now it now you, you get a game like Jedi Fallen Order and the graphics are so good and everything it looks it's really it's really well done
0: that is wonderful to hear I'm so glad you're enjoying it um and I can't wait to play it at some point um why I have two really likes this week, because HD is not here to reprimand me for having two. Um, and also, I was just going to have one, and then I started telling Willoughby about something else before we started recording, and I realized I have to talk about both. So uh, my first one is that I saw Frozen 2, and I loved it. I think it is a beautiful, ambitious film. The world building is wonderful. It feels so much grander, um, with a lot more gravity than the first film. And I just really loved Frozen 2. I thought it was beautiful. I think the soundtrack is great. I loved the story and the world building. I cried a lot. Um, Anna is my girl. I love her so much. And Olaf is my perfect snowman child. And anyone who says any bad word against Olaf, I will fight you. Because Olaf is a perfect baby. And I will not <sighs> take any flights against him
1: anya i have a question for you
0: i have an answer for you
1: did you go into the
0: unknown we did go into the unknown and it was great it was wonderful um so i've been I, listening
1: to the panic at the disco version of that because it came out like so a couple good. weeks ago and i've been just like putting it on repeat i'm just like it's
0: so good yes, casey musgraves yes, yes. um cover of one of the songs in the movie is also very good. Actually, all the covers are great because there's Panic! at the Disco, there's Casey Musgraves and Weezer. They're all great covers of the songs in the film. The original songs are also great. The cut songs are great. You can listen to all of this on Spotify. Um, and yes, I love Frozen 2. I think it is a worthy sequel um, and a great story. And I love where all the characters ended. So
1: Would you say it's happy. a better film than Frozen 1?
0: I actually think I would. I do cool yeah even if it doesn't have my trash prints
1: yeah okay yep. what what's your really uh, second like?
0: <laughs> my second really like is just a quick one um i'm just really glad that the good place exists you guys i watched the most recent episode this week i cried a lot i cried a lot of things to say no i'm an easy crier i also love crying um but yeah i cry at a lot of things but it also means i love them um so I cried at the good place, and it was so good. And Chidi Anagonye is my perfect little indecisive philosophy angel baby. And him and Eleanor are a perfect ship. And if your couples are not written uh, the way Michael Sher writes his couples, then you got some work to do. Because Michael Sher knows how to write the perfect romantic couple. So that's that. Also friendships. Basically everyone. Michael Sher just knows how to write really good people. Yeah. Um, so yeah so I'm really glad that The Good Place is here I'm sad we're losing it but I'm happy oh my god I just realized that Thursday night was the fall finale of The Good Place yep and so I will not get new episodes for a while I yep. did not prepare I did not prepare myself for this
1: and we only cried, got
0: like five or I six cried, left I cried so much in the episode and then I was like oh I'll get to see good things next week but I won't Oh no Next week is Thanksgiving. It is. Well, the good place is still great and I'll just have to rewatch all of it while I wait for the new episode to start before before it ends forever and I cry some more.
1: Um That sounds like a good plan.
0: Oh thanks. Thanks. Um so that's our episode for the week, guys. If you guys have any thoughts on you know, your own political engagements or your favorite political movies, come chat with us about those things or things that you're really liking, including, what is it, Fallen Jedi? Uh,
1: Jedi Fallen Order.
0: Jedi Fallen Order. Um, or if you've seen things recently like Frozen 2, we the good place. Where can they come chat with us, Willoughby?
1: You can find us on Facebook if you search for us there. We're also on Twitter, at Falcon Podcast. Our blog is millennialfalconpodcast.wordpress.com. And you can rate, review, subscribe, and listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. And where can they find you on the internet?
0: You can find me at Anya Curtinton on Twitter.
1: And you can find me at Willoughby Dobbs on Twitter.
0: All right. Thanks for joining us, guys. Bye!